Welcome back to Fan Fatales. Take a ride with us on the Hogwarts Express. Walk down Main Street with our best super pals. And defy gravity as we talk about all things fandom. Hello, and welcome back to Fan Fatales, a member of the Real Fans Podcast Network. I'm Emma. And I'm Gabby. And this week, we're going to talk about the hero's journey and examples of it throughout media. Yes. So the hero's journey was originally formulated by American writer Joseph Campbell to describe the typical character arc of many classic stories, particularly when he wrote it, it was for mythology and folklore, but it now works for any story, video game, film or even music that follows an archetypal hero who undergoes a transformation. And originally it was 17 steps, but the more recent version, which is the one I grew up knowing, is 12 yeah. steps. So Yeah. yeah. So we're going to like basically describe what it is, and yes. then we're going to give you some examples. Yes. And had you ever heard of the hero's journey before? Yes, but not to the same extent that you had. Like, I've heard about it, like, in lit class, yeah. but, like, never really, like, got into it. I learned about it my freshman year of high school at, like, a Girl Scout joint event with Full Sail University, which is, like, a film school here in Orlando, mm-hmm. and animation. It, there's, there are some here in California that are more music-based. Yeah, they also do music, but... A lot of the Full Sail Orlando people go into Disney animation or filmmaking uh, rather than music. So Full Sail University, Universal Orlando, and Girl Scouts all teamed up for this event. And it was like a STEM-related event. And one of the things they talked about was um, the hero's journey and how they incorporated it into some of the Universal rides. For example, the Spider-Man ride, where Mm. you're the hero of it. And you're going through like the Call of Adventure... And, like, all the different steps of the hero's journey. And then they were like, now let's take you on it. And, like, took us the back way into the ride. And That's kind of cool. Yeah. So, let's, we're going to yeah. get into the description of what it is. So, step one is the ordinary world. And this is your hero in their ordinary world. It's them and their environment doing things that are normal for them and experiencing the same struggles and challenges as everyone else. In the ordinary world, the hero feels stuck and confused, so he or she goes on a quest to find a way out of this predicament. Think of any Disney I Want song. Quasimodo. Quasimodo, Hercules, Go the Distance, like Ariel, for example. Which that movie is so good, go see it. I just can't get behind the animation, Emma. The way they animated Flounder is awful. It's so good, though. Okay. But yeah, anyway, 
the ordinary world, usually it's going to be, like, the character, it's the beginning up until, like, their I Want song. Let's just call yeah. it that part of any Disney movie. Yeah. Then stage two is Call of Adventure, which is the hero getting their first taste of adventure when the call comes. This could be in the form of an encounter with a stranger or someone they know who encourages them to take a leap of faith. This encounter is typically an accident, a series of coincidences that put the hero in the right place at the right time. I do not know what I'm going to use because the two really good examples we're going to talk about later. I mean, going back to the Quasimodo example. Esmeralda. Esmeralda going into the church. Yeah. And he's, and for the first time, and uh, what's his face is all, call sanctuary, call sanctuary. Yeah. You know, you know who I'm talking yeah. about, blonde guy. Phoebus. Yeah. It's so. And this doesn't necessarily need to have a stranger or someone that encourages them to take a leap of faith. It could just be their curiosity. Like Ariel with the fireworks, seeing Eric for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, then we get to stage three, which is the refusal of the call. Which is, um, some people will refuse to leave their safe surroundings and live by their own rules. The hero has to overcome the negative influences in order to hear the call again. They also have to deal with any personal doubts that arise from thinking too much about the potential dangers involved in the quest. It is common for the hero to deny their own abilities in this stage and to lack confidence in themselves. So this would be, like, after Quasimodo sings out there and, like, Frollo comes in. Yes. And he's all, no, Quasimodo, you must stay inside. Yes. And he sees all the little creature, all the little carvings, and he's like, why? Why do you want to go outside, Quasimodo? Yes. Okay. I love how we're using Hunchback as our example. Because it's such a good example. That and A New Hope. Yes. Well... We'll get into that later. This is what we're not going to talk about. So we got. So we're giving examples as we go. Yeah. Stage four is meeting the mentor. After hearing the call, the hero begins a relationship with a mentor who helps them learn about themselves and the world. In some cases, the mentor may be someone the hero already knows. The mentor is usually someone who is well versed in the knowledge that the hero needs to acquire but who does not judge the hero for their lack of experience. So would this be like when Esmeralda goes up to see the bells with Quasimodo? And he's like, he's like, this one's little Mary and that one's da 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 da. And then he like tells her all the names and then she's like, oh, wow. Yeah. I'm trying to think of others that would work here too. That's not Hunchback. That's not Hunchback. So we're not using Um, Hunchback for this entire thing. And why is I it- like it. It keeps the through line. True. Um, I mean... And, and this could also be... Um, since I was going to include this movie and then dis- decided not to, Captain America, the first Avenger. This would be like when he first enlists in the military and he meets What's-His-Face. Yes. The general guy. Yeah. But before the serum. Yeah. Yeah. It- oh, wait. Actually, probably not the general guy, actually. 
Peggy, maybe. Peggy, probably. And Dr. The doctor guy. The ex the the German guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 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 one who's with the American troops, yeah. not Dr. Zola, the other one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one that makes the super serum. Yeah, yeah. him. And then to get into the super serum, number stage five would be crossing the threshold, which is the hero leaving their old life behind and entering the unfamiliar new world. This usually symbolizes leaving their old self behind and becoming a brand new person. And sometimes this could even include learning a new skill or changing their physical appearance. It can also include a time of wandering, which is an essential part of the hero's journey. Quasimodo literally wanders through the city. That's how he meets Phoebus for the first time. That or Akuna Matata? Yes. For Simba. Or the serum. Or the and, serum. And him him running through the city chasing yeah. the chasing the German guy, the spy. Yeah. These are all very good examples. I'm I'm liking these examples. Okay. And then stage six is like more so like little hills. Okay. And it is So like we've been going up, 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 and now we're like going up and down and up and down on these little hills on the journey up. Yes, because it's um this next stage is called Test allies and enemies which is the hero will meet both their allies and their enemies during this stage and there will also be tests where the hero is tempted to quit turn back or become discouraged but the hero must okay. be persistent and resilient to overcome challenges going back to hunchback this is after topsy-turvy day yes. at the festival of fools when they're like ha 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 quasimodo you win yeah you're the ugliest mask and then they're like oh he really is this ugly and then they start throwing all the stuff at him and he's like ah. and 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 then frollo's like do not help him and he's like ah and they tie him to the thing and yeah, then yeah, yeah. okay and esmeralda's like oh how dare you this yeah. poor creature right yeah or or um this would also when, be... When Simba meets Rafiki. Yeah. Or... I can't think of any others off the top of my head. Hold on. This could also be going into Hunger Games a little bit. I know you don't really know it, but her meeting the other tributes, specifically, like, Rue and the, like, careers. So Rue being her ally, the careers being her enemies in the game, and the test being all the different, like, let me win mentor, or, like, sponsorships so I can survive these games. Okay, so would this be, like, when the Pevensies meet Aslan for the first time? Yeah, Aslan, the White Witch, um, Santa. Mr. Tumnus. Yeah. Mr. Okay. Would Mr. Tumnus be Lucy's mentor? I think he's Lucy's mentor, but to the Pevensies, he's an ally. Yeah. yeah. But if we're okay. looking at it as, like, one specific hero, she's the hero. Yeah. In this case, yeah. Yeah. And then the next one is the approach, which is stage seven. The hero now reaches the destination of their journey. In some cases, this is a literal location, um, like Aslan's camp, if we're talking about Narnia. Um, it could also be metaphorical, such as the hero having an internal conflict or having to make a difficult decision. 
Simba. So going. Okay, go ahead, Simba. And, um, Nala coming to him and being like, "All this bad stuff is happening," and him being like, "Do I go? Do I stay?" Okay, so this is like after, after. Here we go, Quasimodo coming back at you. This is like after. Every time I go to the Renaissance Fair, I watch Hunchback of Notre Dame. I don't know why. Um, it just gets stuck in my head. Um, so this is like after the Festival of Fools. Yes. When he's like, oh, and he's so sad. And this would be like, this would be like, I'm trying to think. Oh, oh, this is like, this is like when he's back in the tower and um, all of the, all of the, why is this my move for them? <laughs> um, all of the statue guys, all of his statue friends, the gargoyles, they sing the song. The, the, um, the, who wouldn't love a guy like yeah. you? That one. Yeah, yeah, That's my favorite song in the whole movie. Because, because, because she goes, he goes, yeah, you're shamed like a croissantist. Bringing musicals into this, because we haven't talked about musicals in a while. It could be, um, no good deed goes unpunished. In Wicked. Yeah, yeah. Where, like, she or, has now um, accepted that she is the Wicked Witch and is having yeah. to go in and fix all these mistakes. Or is would this be, like, equivalent to, like, Last Midnight? I'd say so. Okay. Where everybody's, like, Your fault, well, Last Midnight. Yeah. And Into the Woods. Yeah. Can't wait to see that show. Yeah. I'm singing a, I'm singing Moments in the Woods at a cabaret thing on Thursday. Tomorrow, right? Yeah, that's tomorrow. It's already Thursday? No. It's only Tuesday. It's Wednesday. I know. Okay, so, got it. Um, the next stage, which is stage eight, is the ordeal. The hero has made it to the final challenge of their journey and now must face all odds and defeat their greatest adversary. Consider this the climax of the story. This could be in the form of a physical battle, moral dilemma, or even an emotional challenge. The hero will look to their allies or mentor for further support and guidance in this ordeal. Whatever happens in the stage could change the rest of the story either for good or bad. So when Quasimodo and Phoebus go to uh, the Court of Miracles. Yes. Okay. Or or when when the Pevensies get a start the the war at right they start the battle yeah. with the White Witch's army. I'm not thinking of this as Peter's thing where um Peter's approach would be his fight with the wolf. Peter. Pevensey. Uh. Peter, Edmund, Susan, Lucy. The oldest. Oh, I was like, huh? The oldest, Pevensey, when he fights the wolf to save his sisters. Okay. But before okay. Edmund comes back. Okay. Because it's his first, like, big, like, confrontation with, like... Yeah. This could also be, like, when Susan and Lucy are saving Aslan on the stone. Yeah. 
or like when Simba goes back to fight Scar or yeah or or <laughs> I don't know I can't think of any more right now okay oh Captain America when he breaks into the Hydra base yep the next stage is um, the reward, which is when the hero has defeated the most powerful and dangerous of adversaries, they will receive their reward, which could be an object, a new relationship, or even a new piece of knowledge. The reward, which typically comes as a result of the hero's perseverance and hard work, signifies the end of their journey. Given that the hero has accomplished their goal and served their purpose, it is a time of great success and accomplishment. Bringing Hunger Games back into this, this is when Hida and Katniss are crowned victors of the first games. And when Captain America gets finally recognized by the U.S. Army as more than just a dancing monkey. Yep. And when Quasimodo and Phoebus bring Esmeralda back to the tower. <laughs> and make it out of the Court of Miracles out alive. This, uh, never mind, I wasn't, I'm not going to say what I was going to say. And in The Rescuers, when, when Bianca and Bernard help Penny get out of the swamp. Yeah. This one's very easy to, this one's very easy it, to it, It's their big reward. It's, yeah. Yeah. And then stage 10 is the road back, which is the journey is now complete and the hero is now heading back home. As the hero considers their journey and reflects on the lessons that they've learned along the way, the road back is sometimes marked by a sense of nostalgia or even regret. As they must find their way back to the normal world and reintegrate into their former life, the hero may encounter additional difficulties or tests along the way, and it is common for the hero to run into previous adversaries or challenges they believe they had overcome. Okay. Captain America, they're out of the Hydra camp, out of the Hydra base, mm -hmm. and now it's time for everybody to get sent back home, right? Yes. Yep. This is... Okay. Okay. Anything else you want to... I can't think of the equivalent for Hunchback. <laughs> This Would this be when Quasimodo's holding Esmeralda's body up and he's going, Sanctuary! That would be climax. That would be, I think, reward. That is when be he's holding her in. Which is the next no. one. No. Maybe. No, because they get her out of the Court of Miracles. Oh, you know what? They all get out of the Court of Miracles. And then, and then, you're right. She gets, she gets, uh, I don't remember how, but she gets hurt. One of the guards gets her. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so the road back would be, like, when they're on their way out of yeah. the Court of Miracles, and they're heading back, and then something happens, and that's resurrection, because then Quasimodo does Sanctuary! That's her resurrection. Yes. Which resurrection is the hero has one final battle to face. At this stage, the hero might have to fight to the death against a much more powerful foe. The hero might even be confronted with their own mortality or their greatest fear. This is usually when the hero's true personality emerges. This stage is normally symbolized by the hero rising from the dark place and fighting back. 
the dark place could again be a physical location or it might be a dark mental state such as depression. As the hero rises again, they might change physically or even experience an emotional transformation. Okay, I got this one right away. So this is when Captain America is flying the plane and he's like talking to Peggy on the thing yeah. and he's like, save me that one last dance. Would, or like, I used to owe me that dance or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know, he's like, oh, I'm going to die. Like yeah. flying into sudden death. It could also be Hercules, going back to that one that we were using in the beginning. Yeah. Him literally rising from the underworld after almost dying. Yeah, to go get Meg. Yeah. Or, like I mentioned before, when Quasimodo is holding up Esmeralda, shouting sanctuary at the top of the Notre Dame Cathedral, and I'm sitting there sobbing because it's like the most moving moment in this entire movie because he's just like... Yeah. Oh, it hurts me. Yeah. This is the part that usually makes me cry. Yeah. I think to think if I could find any other top of my head. I mean, maybe. Okay, actually, I take it back. I think this one is when Lucy and Susan resurrect Aslan. Probably. Yeah, because, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Or, like, going to a totally different movie, this is when, like, Buddy the Elf is running around <laughs> in, <laughs> in Central Park trying to help Santa. Yeah. This is, like, towards the end of it when, like, You know what I'm talking about? When, like, everybody's singing and then, like, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. This is Dorothy throwing the bucket of water on the Wicked Witch. Yes. Anything else we can think of before I move on to our last stage? The finale of Into the Woods, Children Will Listen, the last one. Yeah. This the baker's wife, the calm the child, just calm the child, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If if the baker is the main character here. We're gonna do uh, no. I'm not gonna do that one yet. I have more of them on my Ooh! Twelve Heroes Journey examples in Disney movies. Let's see if they even used Hunchback in this one. Watch. <laughs> they used Hercules. Nope. No? It's so obvious. <laughs> so the ones that they used in this, which we've only talked about one of them. Hercules. Or two of them. Lion King. Lion King and Hercules. Mulan. Okay, yeah, Mulan for sure. Aladdin. Yeah. Genie would be the mentor. Mm-hmm. Toy Story. I tried putting Toy Story together for this one, and I was like, uh, uh, mm, Moana. Mm, mm. Moana, yes. So this would be her confronting Tafiti. Mm-hmm. Taka, not Taka, not Tafiti, yeah. Taka. Finding this Nemo. Would be the, this would be the, I have crossed the horizon yeah. to find you. That song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Finding Nemo. 
Yes, for sure. Up. Yeah. Pocahontas. Uh-huh. Uh. Yeah, this would be like when she's like when when he gets shot by Radcliffe and now he's like having to go uh, back home. Like about to go. Yeah. Yeah. Coco. Okay. Brave. Yes. Oh, why didn't I think of Brave? Jungle Book. And those were the ones that they used. I don't really I like don't the like, Jungle Book. Yeah, I don't like the Jungle Book as an example. Me neither. It doesn't fit it super well, but okay. Ooh, this this one used Avatar, Marvel, Spider-Man, To Kill a Mockingbird, <laughs> The Wizard of Oz, and Aladdin. Yep, all great examples. Ow. Okay. And this would be Jafar turning the genie, or Jafar turning into a genie. Yep. This would be any betting loafing space. Yeah. Because okay. then stage 12, which is our final stage, is the return with the elixir. At the end of the story, the hero returns to the ordinary world and shares the knowledge gained in their journey with their fellow man. This can be done by imparting some sort of wisdom, an object of great value, or by bringing about a social revolution. In all cases, the hero returns changed and often wiser. Okay. Okay. I got this one. Quasimodo, Esmeralda, Phoebus, standing on the balcony of Notre Dame, looking out at the city, and everybody's, like, cheering because Esmeralda's still alive. Yes. And then all of the, like, gypsies are free to roam about the city yes. now. The Pevensies were turning back to London. Yes. Um, Simba and Nala and all of them saving Pride Rock and it yeah. going from rainy to green. Yeah. What else? Katniss returning? Katniss returning to District 12. That would work. Um, because they're all like... Because then... Everyone starts questioning the games and their logic in society, yeah. which brings about social revolution in the other two books. Yeah. Um, ooh, here's the one we, we talked about at the beginning. When uh, Ariel and Eric get married on the boat. Yep. And then and then King Triton like comes up and he's like, I love you. And then like he comes back down and then it's like, hmm, maybe it's not so bad. Yeah. This is... Um, Peter Parker finally accepting both versions of Spider-Man and Peter Parker and living his day-to-day life as a here's the thing with Here's the thing with the Captain America example. Eleven is when he goes into the ice, yes. but twelve is not when he comes out of the ice. No. Twelve is not until the second Captain America movie. Yes. Honestly, and then it thought, starts over. I thought you were gonna say later. Endgame. Until the end of the series. Until the end game. Him coming back. To Peggy. Yeah, but we were just talking about I the know. first Captain America movie. True. Each one has its own hero's true, journey. True, I true. think. So I think it's not until even actually I think even Civil War or not Civil I think um Winter Soldier doesn't really have one. Winter Soldier feels pretty like. You, yeah. This Civil is Dorothy War. returning to Kansas. 
Civil War, I think, is, well, I guess it could be when he comes out of the ice, but it doesn't incite social change or anything. He's just, like, in the new world. and Well, it doesn't have to. Okay. So then maybe it is when he comes out of the ice. Yeah. And he starts, he joins the Avengers, which is, like, the first Avengers movie. The other name for this one is the, um, like, is called The Freedom to Live, and it's, like, living, like, a happily ever after. This article uses Tangled. <gasps> when and they go back to Corona. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How did I not Shrek. think of Tangled? It also uses Shrek. Shrek? Is in this article that I am reading right now. Well, it's obviously when Shrek and Fiona go back to live in the swamp with Donkey. Yeah. So we've given a lot of really great examples that are a little bit sporadic. Uh, we have I one through line. I infographic that I'm going to have to share with you on the group chat. Okay. So we found one. We had one sort of through line with me explaining it through the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yes. But... We have two more, a little bit more solid examples that are used pretty commonly. And uh, the first one is Star Wars A New Hope. Yes. Because it is literally the epitome of the hero's journey. Yeah. So this is how I was taught the hero's journey back my freshman year of high school. And it is Star Wars A New Hope. So I have it broken... Down Perfect. through each step to like, but it's pretty much the whole movie just broken up into each step. Okay. Step one, the ordinary world. Luke is living his normal life as a farm boy on Tatooine. I was gonna go. I was gonna go to Tashi Station and pick <laughs> up a power power converters. Power converters. Yes. And yeah. then we get the call to adventure. Which is called by two individuals, in this case being R2-D2 and Obi-Wan Ben Kenobi. Yeah. Um, and this is obviously after Luke triggers R2-D2's message from Princess Leia, being like, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. My and only him hope. being intrigued by her and the message. Um, when R2-D2 escapes to find Obi-Wan Ben Kenobi... Luke follows and is later sur- saved by Kenobi, who goes on to tell Luke about his Jedi heritage and suggests that he should come with, um, that Luke should come with him to Alderaan. Yeah. And Luke is like, hey, yo, no, I, I, I gotta live, I, I can take you as far as Mos Eisley Spaceport, but I can't leave my uncle and aunt behind for some yeah, space he's- adventure. He's like, I got to go to Tashi Station, pick up those cow- power converters, yeah. my guy. Like, And this is obviously the refusal of the call from yeah. Obi-Wan. And then stage four, which is crossing the threshold. It's Luke has discovered that the stormtroopers are searching for R2 and C-3PO to track down and would track them to his farm. He rushes to warn his aunt and uncle, only to discover them dead by the hands of the Empire. Boo! When Luke returns to Kenobi, he pledges to go with him to Alderaan and learn the ways of the Force like his father before him. (laughs) If only he knew. Oh, yeah. 
So this is when we get to, like, test allies and enemies. After Luke, Kenobi, and the droids hire Han Solo and Chewbacca to transport them off of Tatooine and onto Alderaan, Kenobi begins Luke's training in the ways of the Force. Wielding his father's lightsaber, Kenobi challenges him to block the shots of small training, um, of a small training r- remote. At first, he can't do it, but then when Kenobi gives him a helmet to wear that has a blast shield that blocks his view of the remote, Kenobi teaches him to reach out and trust his feelings. And this is when Luke blocks the three shots from the remote blind. Yep. I think that scene is hilarious because the thing keeps shooting at him and he's like, hey! I think yeah. it's very funny. Um, The approach. The plan to defeat the Galactic Empire is to bring the Death Star plants to Alderaan so that Princess Leia's father, Bill Organa, can take them to the Rebellion. However, when they arrive in the system, the planet is destroyed. They come yep. across... Oh. Oh, I was just going to say, yep, because that's when Darth Vader was all, and poof, poof. Yep. They come across the Death Star and are pulled in by a tractor beam now trapped within the metaphorical belly of the beast, the Galactic Empire. Bum, bum, bum. The ordeal. As Kenobi goes off to deactivate the tractor beam so they can escape, Luke, Han, and Chewbacca discover that Princess Leia is being held on the Death Star with them. They rescue her and escape to the Millennium Falcon, hoping that Kenobi has successfully deactivated the tractor beam. Kenobi later sacrifices himself as Luke watches Darth Vader strike him down, and Luke must now avenge his fallen mentor and carry on his teachings. The reward is Luke has saved the princess and retrieved the Death Star plans. They now have the knowledge to destroy the Galactic Empire's greatest weapon once and for all. Mm -hmm. The road back, this is when they're heading back to the Hidden Rebellion base with the Death Star plans. Um, Mm -hmm. And they are suddenly pursued by incoming TIE fighters, forcing Han and Luke to take action to defend the ship and escape with their lives and the plans. When they are triumphant, they realize the, that the Galactic Empire must be tracking them, but they have no choice but to race against time to take the plans to the Rebellion and prepare for battle. Yes. The Resurrection. The Rebels, along with Luke as an X-Wing pilot, prepare to take on the Death Star. The Rebellion and the Galactic Empire wage war in an epic space battle. Luke is the only X-Wing pilot that was able to get within the trenches of the Death Star, but Darth Vader and his wingmen are in hot pursuit. Just as Darth Vader is about to destroy Luke, Han returns and clears the way for Luke. Luke uses the Force to guide his aiming as he fires the sole weak point of the deadly Death Star, destroying it for good. And then, our return... Luke and Han return to their rebellion base triumphant as they receive medals for their heroic journey. There is peace throughout the galaxy, at least for now. There's two other movies in this thing. Website that I got this from. Yeah. It's not really peace. It's just like the beginning of the war. Yeah. This is the first battle of many. Yeah. You know, like... 
So I agree. But yeah, that's that that's the basic one. Besides like using yeah. actual like myths, like the Odyssey w- works really well with it because that was Joseph Campbell's intention. Yeah. Was to use it for myths and not movies. But it still fits. Oh, it still does. So I want to do the next one because you talked a lot and I don't, you don't have everything. Okay. Yeah. So um, the next one is uh, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. But it's based off the book. Like, yes, most of this is in the movie, but it there are some pieces in the book that just you need. Yeah. So first, The Ordinary Adventure. Um, and yes, the first chapter of the book could not have been more aptly named. It's literally like... The boy who lived. I yeah. Think. It's like talking about the Dursleys and Harry Potter and their life. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the, the introduction of the Dursleys enforces that they're very normal. And they say it many times, like very ordinary, very plain, you know. Yes. Um, however, the first chapter also introduces the special or magical world. Right, with Professor McGonagall, mm-hmm. Dumbledore, and Hagrid dropping off baby Harry. So, um, after that, pretty quickly, the second chapter comes back to just ordinary life of the Dursleys with Harry. Harry's special, and that much is clear to Petunia and Vernon. However, they've, like, shrugged him off because he's weird. He's, he's his mother's child, and she was a witch, and so they, they know he's weird. And when weird things happen, it's his fault. Yes. Because he's odd. He's... You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, next is The Call to Adventure, which comes very quickly, which is yeah. when um, all of the mail starts showing up for Harry to go to Hogwarts. Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the Dursleys, who are very adverse to all of Harry's oddness, um, they, they are not having it. So, they take his letter, and he never opens it. And then owls show up. And then more letters show up and more letters and more letters until there's an explosion of letters. And uh, then Harry finally gets it and he gets the the mail. Um, Yeah. So, yeah. Um, So then the Dursleys are like, you know what? We're going to go to this random ass island in the middle of freaking nowhere. That's got this like sketchy ass castle. And we're going to go there for the rest of the summer. And Harry's like, okay, because he has to, because he's only, what, 11? Yeah, 11. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, happy birthday, Harry. And he makes the makes the little birthday cake in yeah. the dust. And then Hagrid shows up. And Hagrid, like, kicks the freaking door down. <laughs> Hagrid's all, hello, you're a wizard, Harry. And, and so there we go. So, this is, so, that last explanation has both the refusal of the call and meeting with the mentor all wrapped in to very close, like, that timing when when Hagrid comes up, because he's part of the call to adventure. So, Hagrid arrives, and he's like, he's like, you're a wizard. And Harry's like, um, no, I'm not. And... In this case, it's not really Harry refusing it. It's that the Dursleys don't want to send him. And But he's also kind of like... Yeah, but he's also like, no. Yeah. 
he's, he's like, like no i'm not a wizard you're yeah, crazy yeah, yeah. i'm not a and then wizard a what yeah yeah and then so that's like the meeting with his first mentor right because hagrid is like a very big mentor in harry's life yes and he has a lot of mentors right like mcgonagall yes as much as i hate to say it dumbledore yep but Hagrid is the one who really is, like, the first one. And then, you know, as Harry starts going through, like, Hogwarts life, he meets mm-hmm. uh, Professor Dumbledore and McGonagall later. Yeah. So the fifth step, crossing the first threshold. Um, in this stage, the threshold is presented pretty clearly. Um, Hagrid brings Harry to Diagon Alley through uh, the magical wall of the Leaky Cauldron. And uh, that, that is literally a threshold. <laughs> Mm-hmm. into the magical world and it shows very contrasting differences from like regular life to to the wizarding world also another threshold is platform nine and three quarters yes it's not mentioned on here but it is so like in in the ordinary world right the the juxtaposition harry is just like a kid he is just a normal kid with nothing special but in the magical world, Harry's name, just his name is like, it's like, oh my gosh, it's Harry yeah. Potter, the boy who lived, you know? He's very famous and, you know, everybody's like, oh my gosh, it's Harry Potter, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, right? When he first gets there. Yeah. And he's like, what the heck? I don't, I don't even know. Um, so next is uh, number six, test allies and enemies. Um, so... This would be like once he's already at Hogwarts, right? He's already, so he's meeting, he's met Ron at Platform Nine and Three Quarters. He's met Hermione. That's the allies, right? Meeting Ron, yes. meeting Hermione, and then meeting Draco on the train. Yes. Well, technically, if we're going off the book, he meets him at the, the robe shop. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Also, we forgot about a very important Disney movie that is based on a mythology, or a legend rather, not mythology, that follows this also. Sword in the Stone. Oh my gosh. I and thought on that, about it. Robin Hood. Although, here's the thing with Robin Hood it's more like three little vignettes than it is True. like. It's but more like the three true short legend stories of Robin Hood. Yeah, yes, not not Disney's the Disney Robin movie. Hood. Yeah. So anyway, back to Harry Potter. This is like when he's in class and Snape is like, "Hmm, what is Monk's Hood yeah. Wolf's Bane?" and blah blah blah. Right. That's that whole scene. Like um, when they're in Charms class and doing the Wingardium Leviosa. Him yeah. learning how to fly, like all that kind of stuff. Sorry, I was fixing problems in our notes from this you're website fine. I bought this from, or I got this from, not bought. You're, you're fine. So, anyway, that's kind of the idea. And then he also meets Voldemort when he goes out into the Forbidden Forest for the first time. Yeah. And he sees him like nom 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 on the 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 what's it called? Uh, unicorn. Yes, thank you. <laughs> the unicorn blood. Yeah, I was like, I, I got so distracted by my nom nom nom. 
I forgot what it was called. I was like, the horse thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but as we know, Voldemort is alive and he's the like main, main antagonist. But like for the purposes of Sorcerer's Stone, it's really just like being a kid. Like Draco is like his biggest yeah. antagonist in this book. And Quirrell. And Quirrell, yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right. But, like, here's the thing. Quirrell is, like, an antagonist that you don't know is an antagonist until the very end. Mm -hmm. Like, Draco is, like, the one that's, like, annoying about it. True. So, chapter chapter 7. Number 7 is the approach. Um, And this is in chapter 16 when um, Harry uses all of his allies from the previous stage, right? He uses Ron and Hermione to get through the the levels to get to the Sorcerer's Stone. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they even have a challenge with Neville, and he's like, no, don't do it. And then Hermione's all, shh, and yeah. <laughs> handles it. Um, so anyway, it, it's, you know, very, very cleverly designed traps that go into this dungeon. They literally are going down into a dark place. The first one is the um, the plant, the devil snare. Yeah. The second one is the keys. Or no, the second one is. I yes, don't the remember keys. the order of it. Yeah, because first is Hermione with the devil's snare. Then it's well, Harry the with the keys in his broom. Yes. And then it's Ron, Ron with the wizard chest, and that's where we get the he's going to sacrifice himself. Like, and then it's the potion. If we're going off the book, potion. There's like a potion. It's like four of them set up. I kind of remember this part. And I haven't like listened Her- to the book. I haven't. I haven't read or listened to the book in a long time. And that's when like Hermione's like. Okay, bye now. I'm gonna go She's stop like, bye. Ron. I'm gonna go take care of Ron. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So then is the ordeal, and that is the last trial, right? Mm-hmm. He meets Professor Quirrell, who like before this moment was very like skittish, and he was like, you know, like like he says, he says, I just poor 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 sniveling Professor Quirrell, right? Yeah. Or poor stuttering Professor Quirrell. And then he's like, I actually am the bad guy. And everybody's like, what? Um, (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) So um, this is when Harry looks into the mirror of Ezrid, which is the final trial where he like sees what he. he, Ezrid? I've always pronounced it Ezrid. I've always pronounced Irizid like the movie. Oh, I. It's also E R I S E D. I don't know why I read it. That's the way it reads in my head. It's been that way for forever. You're right. But (laughs) I say it wrong. I've said it wrong for 10 years. I thought I was going insane. (laughs) Sorry. Yes, you are correct. It is Irizid. Yeah, I've never said it that way. Ear, I, said. Yeah, I I get it. That's not how I've ever. I it doesn't doesn't compute. It's okay. like when you learned that 
um, your the one of the, one of the authors that you like that his name was pronounced different. Riordan. Yeah. Yeah. That it was I started that. getting better because I used to pronounce it Riordan and not Riordan. But it's yeah. Riordan. Yeah. That that it's the same. But thing. why does he have an O in his name if we're not going to pronounce it? Because <laughs> names are weird. Do you know how many unpronounced letters are in my name? So many. So many, like 90% of the letters are not pronounced in my name. I know. You skip half of them. Yeah, you should tell that to my Siri, because she loves to really butcher your last name. Okay, you're going to have to, I want to hear it now. It'll be, you'll, you'll have to show me. <laughs> so, anyway, Harry also, right, Mira, Arizad. Arizad, thank you. And uh, he looks in the mirror and he's like, I don't get it. And then mirror Harry is like patting his pocket and he's like, look. And he has the Sorcerer's Stone. Mm -hmm. So um, this is when Professor Quirrell is like, oh, you get it. You get how it works. And he's like, how? Like, reveal it to me. But this is when Harry lies. And he's like, I I won um, the Quidditch Cup. And... And it's whatever Ron says that his is. Yeah. Which I think is cute. He's like, oh. Yeah. He listened so well that he remembered it. And he was like, and I'm head boy. I was like, oh. Yeah. So um, this is when Coral and, you know, by extension, Voldemort, because they are in the same body. <laughs> My, uh, like, I know he's like CGI'd onto the back of Coral's head, but I can only picture... <laughs> Voldemort and Coral, yeah, <laughs> where they're just back to back the whole time. That's doing show to Oregon, and I want to see it so bad. What? There's a local theater company here in Orlando that's doing show to Oregon. Oh my gosh! No way. When they announced it, because I was in the audience, it, it it's like all run by like a high. It's like all run by high schoolers. My sister's part of this troupe, and they're doing show to Oregon this summer. And when they announced it at their cabaret, Kara cut this out because they still haven't announced it online yet. And they said, do not leak it before we announce it. So, yeah. Um, Plus, it has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Plus, it has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Um, But, yeah, they're doing Tour to Oregon. And I was like, Julia, you better audition for the daughter because she would be amazing as the daughter. Mm -hmm. But when they announced it, I was like, (gasps) And my parents were like, Emma, what? Like, you know that parody group I like on YouTube and have since, like, middle school? They wrote that musical. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> but, yeah, every time every time I'm talking about it, I can only picture, like, Quirrell and Voldemort just walking back to back, like. Yeah. Anyway. So, anyway, you know, Harry figures out that he can defeat them in a way that's kind of weird to me. I don't I don't really get it. I don't it. either, but it's fine. I don't think a lot of people get it. It's a little deus ex machina-y. Yeah. But I guess it's his mom's magic who's like, hmm. And because of the, the I don't know. This part's a little shit. This part's a little shaky. Yeah. It's just like, it's like, 
because she made the eternal pact with what? Weave and stitch. What about it? Hero's journey. Yeah, okay. I'll read it afterwards because I find this one interesting. But so like right, like she made the pact or the unbreakable vow and the da 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 I don't know. Yeah. So I don't know, little Deus Ex Machina E. I never got why his face burned. I thought it was because he was a horcrux, but like that's not it. No, I don't know. I don't know. That one this one's always been a little like, hmm. Okay. <laughs> So, anyway, watch. The comments are going to pop off. They're going to start tweeting at me. Kevin, you know nothing about Harry Potter. <laughs> so, um, next is the reward. So, you know, this it is, is when... the Philosopher's Stone. Yeah. And then, like, when he gains consciousness after the fight, it's when Dumbledore reveals that, like, that those who are like searching for the stone but not like intending to use it that's the only time you can get it right like Dumbledore yeah. is like so good job Harry you passed my test <laughs> and so yeah um the roadblock the road back is completely skipped yeah that's it doesn't the only have part. to be in like this is not like a set you have to follow each stage yeah we go and stitch has one of those too yeah like this one is it's completely skipped because Harry just like wakes up in the hospital wing and he's like, Oh, what happened? But this would be them getting out of the Chamber of Secrets. Yeah. Leaving the Chamber of Secrets after yeah, yeah, yeah. On Fox. Yeah. I guess with the diary and Jenny as the reward. I guess. Um, <laughs> so and this is when Harry gets a symbolic resurrection. He didn't die, but like it's like a, it's like a, it's like a, he kind of did. Yeah. It's like, well, he kind of died. And everybody was like, well, you've been out for like two weeks. Yeah. And he's like, oh, okay. And then the return is when they win the house cup and Harry gets the photo album with his parents. And then Dumbledore explains the, the deus ex machina away-ish that it's like, his mother's protection magic yeah. and yeah. And then Dumbledore is like, but you are destined for far greater. You are here to save the wizarding world. And Harry's yeah. like, but I'm a, I'm a child. Ready for so, yeah. one stitch? Sure. Ordinary world. Wigo's ordinary world is in Hawaii. Swimming. Um, it looks like, okay, this one is following Lego. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I was swimming. What? Feeding, uh, she's swimming. Yeah, she's, she's feeding she's... Pudge. Yeah. She goes to her. She can't feed him Kula. tuna because tuna's a fish. Yeah. It'd be, a, she'd be an abomination. Yeah. God. <laughs> so, yeah. And then she goes to Hula class and she's late and then she runs away. Well, she doesn't run away. She just leaves. Call to adventure is her running away. <laughs> But she doesn't run away. She just leaves. Yeah, sent away. And Stitch crashing on Earth. Yes. There is no refusal of call in this one. You know how I was... I disagree. You do? Yes. 
Not by her, but by Nani. True. I when like she goes that. to get Stitch and she's like, I like this one. He talks. And everybody's like, that's not a dog. We thought it was a koala on the side of the road. You know, yeah. like. And Nani's like, pick out a different dog. And she's like, no, I want this one. Meeting the mentor. It's when we go with Don Stitch because they're each other. They're each other's mentors. That's adorable. Okay. Crossing the first threshold. It occurs when Stitch crashes on Earth. Test is Stitch learning to become a model citizen. Yes. And obviously, allies, we get... Pleakley and... Jumba. Jumba, yeah. And um, the social worker. Yeah, Mr. Bubbles! Yeah. But he's not... He's the enemy in this one. True. He's not a he's not an ally until the end. He's the enemy in this True. one. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Your knuckles say cobra bubbles. Um, the approach, it's when Stitch causes problems. This is after their the front beach. day on the beach. Yep. And this is when Cobra The lifeguard oh, wait, tower no. gets knocked over, people flood from the flee from the yes. beach. And this is before David shows up with the surfboards, and he's like, well, I know nothing can cure a sour face like a, like yeah, a yeah, yeah, good yeah. board and some choice waves. And then they're like, okay. And then they sing the Hawaiian roller coaster ride song, and then they're all riding on the surfboards, and they're having a good time, and then Stitch gets pulled into the ocean. Yeah. The ordeal Jeez, occurs when Stitch times. learns he has no family and is alone. And when Cobra takes Lego, who then runs away. Lego. Also takes Stitch to go away after discovering he's an alien. Both characters are then captured. Yeah. Yeah, that's when she's all, go on, get out of here. When she finds out, because he shows her that she's he's an alien. Yeah. So 90% of this movie is like... Yeah. The, like, the, the all of the, all of the steps happen within the last, like, 20 minutes. Yeah. Okay. It's- the word for Stitch is that he wants to be a family and he must rescue Lilo. This is after, obviously, like, she's been kidnapped by evil whale shark guy. Gantu! Sure. I love how He's you... another villain! Yeah. The road back occurs when Stitch rescues Lilo from the spaceship. And also... Oh, yeah, yeah. No. Mm. Yeah, Okay. Okay. The resurrection is when Stitch and Lilo get to become a family. And then the return to the elixir is like everyone coming together, living in the house. Disagree a little bit. I disagree a little bit. montage at the end. So the road back, yes, after they've been rescued. Um, Resurrection, I think, is when... When... um, What's her face? The galactic leader lady. Oh, I know who you're talking about. I don't know her name. The galactic leader lady, when whose name is escaping me at the moment, when she's like, she's like, come on, you must go now, experiment 626, and he turns to her, and he's all, Stitch, and she's all, what? And he's all, my name, Stitch, and she's all, oh, okay, Stitch then, come on, let's go, and then he goes, does Stitch have to go back? And she's like, well, yes, and then she's like, oh, well, okay, I guess... The, the, he does the whole, Ohana means family. Family means nobody gets left behind or forgotten. And then she's all, okay, well, I guess Stitch can live out the rest of his days in exile here on Earth. And then, and that's the, that's the return. So her name is Grand Councilwoman. 
Okay, I was close. Has no name. The 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 lead council lady is close enough. Yep. So that that's what I think it is. Is when she's like she's like okay he can live here yeah, in yeah. exile. That's like the that's like the resurrection. And then and then also when she's like I know you and he's all Roswell the Cobra bubbles. Yeah. And he's all he's all oh yeah we saved the planet from an alien invasion by convincing them that mosquitoes were an ex- <laughs> were an endangered species. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, then the elixir is when they rebuild the house, and then we get that, and it's that amazing Winona cover of Hunka Hunka Burn in Love. And it's the montage. And it's great. Yeah. Yeah. And then they go to Graceland, and they live out they the rest of their days. They make the cake that is the size of the oven. Which, oh, I want to do that, man. I need you, and Kara will know what I'm talking about. There is a group on YouTube called Practical Folks and they did Drunk Disney for the longest time where they would choose a Disney movie and have a drinking game that was like every time Mulan's grandmother would hit on Shang or whatever it was for each movie. Oh my gosh. Um, And I forget what the Lilo and Stitch one was but they had a special guest star of Joey Richter from Star Kid so Ron Weasley and I loved their reactions to that montage because <laughs> it was near the end of the show. Another, so they're highlight- all wasted. Yeah, another good one is any of the Lion King ones because they did Lion King, Lion King one and a half, and Lion King two uh-huh. with Paint, who wrote that. If yeah. you ever wonder why Disney, John Cozart. Yeah. So many good ones, but those are probably my top four. That's great. That and the Mulan one, because that one just stuck out in my brain of awesome drinking games. Yeah. That, I mean, hey. There's a lot of good ones out there. Yeah. Yeah, you should watch it. Yeah. So that's it. Yeah. That's the hero's journey. I think we have a very good grasp. On the hero's journey. On the hero's journey. So now, you go out and watch movies in your life. And you're going to be shocked at how many movies. It's all of them. Follow this structure. Yep. Including our first bit of fandom news really works well with it. But I didn't feel like talking about it. Which is Avatar The Last Airbender. (laughs) Thank you so much. Um, Avatar The Last Airbender probably works with Sahara's Journey. We didn't really talk about it, but yeah. Anyway, their original voice cast will not be returning to voice their characters for the movie, which will be following Aang's team as young adults. What? Yeah, so it's like probably like five, six years after the series ends, and they're just like not coming back. They announced it at some convention recently. I don't have the exact date in July for this next one, Gabby. That's okay. So starting in July, Soaring Around the World, Alice in Wonderland, and the Disney Monorail will all be closed for refurbishment. Um, Like Emma said, it's not been announced how long or when, but yeah, kind of stinks. Speaking of refurbishments, 
Rock and Roller Coaster has finally reopened at Disney's Hollywood Studios after a really long closure. And despite rumors suggesting otherwise, the attraction opened with no notable changes. Because there was, like, this whole drama with um, Aerosmith. Aerosmith's contract. Yeah. I remember. We've talked about it a few times. Yeah. And they're just, like, back in the ride. I'm very okay. confused on what's going on because their contract is up this year, I'm pretty sure. So I thought this was going to be... Retheme. Retheme. Yeah. Hey, I mean, it'd be pretty easy to change it to, like, like uh, Power Lines Rock and Roller Coaster. Especially because I've noticed something really recently at Disney. They, or at Disney World, in Hollywood Studios, they keep putting Max in his Power Line costume and Goofy in his Goofy Movie costume out in Hollywood Studios, which I loved because wasn't that, like, one of the only movies that was actually made at the Florida Studio? One of them. They did some parts of Lilo and Stitch and Mulan, I think, too. Yeah. But Goofy Movie was made at the Disney Studio, which was in Hollywood Studios. There you go. And they're having Powerline and Goofy. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I think it'd be really great to just, like, retheme it to the yeah. Powerline rock and roller coaster. And then just play, like, eye to eye. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. Andrew Lloyd Webber's Love Never Dies in Concert will come to London's Theatre Royal Drury Lane this summer, starring Norm Lewis. Yes. Kelly Clarkson revealed that she is currently writing a Broadway musical. No further details have been announced. That's going to be good. Yeah. The upcoming Broadway production of Here Lies Love plans to perform without live pit musicians. Yeah. Weird. Direction on the live action remake of how Yeah. I I actually kinda like this cast and am excited for it, but they're following in Disney's footsteps, DreamWorks is. This is annoying. Stop turning things into live action movies. Anyway, production on the live action remake of How to Train Your Dragon is expected to begin. This summer, following the casting announcement of Mason Thames as Hiccup and Nico Parker as Astrid. Nico Parker was just Sarah in The Last of Us TV show. Oh. Uh-huh. So not the lead, but one of the, like, girls that they come across. Um, the film is set to be released in theaters on March 14th of 2025. I love How to Train Your Dragon. Wondrous Journey's Disneyland Park's Nighttime Spectacular will have its last performance of this year on August 31st before returning back in early 2024. Yeah, so just for the holiday season. Yeah, it's just for the holiday season, which starts in September. Yep. August, if you're Disney World. No, that's too early. You don't need pumpkins in August. Yes. Always pumpkins. Not in August. August is still summer. Also, did you notice my shirt? Yes, I did. My Cinderella shirt. I love it. Anyway, attend the tale in 2025. Sweeney Todd, the demon barber of Fleet Street, is setting out on a national tour. In 2025, though, we still have like two years. 
Does that mean that like Josh Brobin and Annalie Ashford won't be in it anymore? Probably. Big sad. And Jordan um, Fisher. Uh, I'm gonna go York's- see it. Because my friends now live in New York, so I'm gonna go visit them under the guise of I am seeing seeing Sweeney Todd so I can see Jordan Fisher. That's fair. <laughs> New York City Center's 2023-2024 season has been announced with Titanic, Once Upon a Mattress, Jelly's Last, Jam, Pal Joey, and more. Sutton Foster will be leading the cast of Once Upon a Mattress. Ephraim Sykes and Jennifer Holliday will star in Pal Joey. And this is a brand new adaptation of Once Upon a Mattress. It's going to still have the same songs like Shy and all those other ones that we know from Once Upon a Mattress. But it's written by the screenwriter from The Marvelous Miss Maisel. Oh. So she's getting her own, like, stab at writing Once Upon a Mattress and making it more for, like, a modern audience. Love that. Yeah. Very excited to see what comes of that production. Actually, when tickets were announced, I was like, when is it so I can maybe plan a New York trip? (laughs) Can't. It's like January 24th. Oh. Yeah, it's like that weekend. And I'm like, no. The director of the Broadway musical Hamilton and the director of the Broadway revival of Sweeney Todd, Thomas Kale, will be directing the upcoming live-action Disney's Moana. Which, contrary to popular belief, will not be starring Alahi Cravalho. That is in this week's random news. Never mind, ignore that I said that. <laughs> um, I'm excited because Thomas Kale has worked a lot with Lynn Manuel in the past, so this is like an obvious choice. Yeah. I wonder if they're gonna make more songs. If they're having Thomas Kale come and after well, who knows after the monstrosity that was Scuttlebutt. They gave Scuttle a song in The Little Mermaid. And Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote it, and it is monstrosity. I do remember this now. I I heard somebody listen to it and go, is this genuinely music? Is this what people are considering music nowadays? And I was like, ooh, Lynn, this is a low point. Yeah, I listened to it in my car riding back from work because I was listening to the Little Mermaid live action soundtrack before I went to even go see it. And I'm like, ooh, love for the first time. Ooh, love Wild Uncharted Waters. And then Scuttlebutt finally came on. I was like... (laughs) My face slowly turned to that while I was driving. Just like... To like, just what the hell is this? (laughs) Yeah. But it makes better sense if you're seeing it in the movie. I'm sure. Because Scuttle can't sing. That's like the whole joke. Yes. But still... And it's also Scuttle being like, Eric is proposing. It's like that whole scene. Ah, but still, we, I did. Yeah. Don't like. Do not like. No. The the saddest song that they wrote, well, for the first time, it's very sad as well. But the, the part of your world reprise number two that they wrote for this one. Heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Okay. It is after Ariel sees Eric with Vanessa. Aww. And it's like her in the mind because they have like a bunch of like Hallie Bailey like voiceover singing things. Ah. Uh. 
for Ariel. Yeah. Kind of like what the Broadway show does. Once Ariel yeah. loses her voice, it's her thoughts. And that's what for the first time is. It's her being like, oh, for the first time I'm seeing all these things, all this stuff. And it's a yeah. great song. And that's what that moment is. And I'm just like, oh, ow. Because that you're on land, they'd understand. And they wouldn't leave you stranded, broken hearted. Oh, yeah. Ow. That's pretty ouch. Yeah. I had a cursed thought. <laughs> Moana's version of Scuttlebutt would be, would be hey, hey. Why did my mind agree? It'd just be 10 hey, minutes hey. of hey, hey screaming. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> thanks for listening. And it'd still week. be Alan Tudyk. And on that note, <laughs> thanks for listening to this week's episode of Fan Fatalis. We are part of the Real Fans Podcast Network. That's right. And if you want to check out more shows on the network, you can find them at rf4rm.com. Join us next week where we will be celebrating Gabby's birthday with some Disney Name That Tune trivia. And I'm going to kick your butt. No, you aren't. Yes, I am. Part of my job is hosting Disney Name That Tune trivia every week. Remember to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And subscribe to us on YouTube. Please leave us a review, comment down below to tell us what you thought of the show. And remember to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Pod for the latest updates. Now, Emma, where can the people find you on the social meds? My Instagram and TikTok are SnippyEmma, which is S-N-I-P-P-Y-E-M-M-A. What about your gaps? I'm at Gabby Gent pretty much everywhere. That's G-A-B-Y-J-E-N-T. Our editing is by the wonderful Carolyn Smyer. And as always, thanks for tuning in. Bye! Bye! If you subscribe to this episode, you know, we're going to be doing it back.